Welcome to the Penis Project podcast, connecting men through science, stories, solutions, but most of all, through support. This podcast was founded by myself and Dr. Joe Milios, a physiotherapist. To find out more about us, check out our website, thepenisproject.org. I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett, sexologist and nurse practitioner specialising in men's intimate health. Join me as I break down the barriers surrounding men's health and have candid conversations about everything you've always wanted to know but were too embarrassed to ask. This podcast is dedicated to stories from men who have bravely recognised the importance of sharing their experiences, breaking down stigmas and having no filter chats about sexual health, cancer treatment and recovery, relationships and everything else in between. If you know someone who you think would benefit from this information, please share so we can help more people. We would also love it if you'd follow the podcast and give us a review. Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Janine and Jonathan. So welcome and tell me about your journey, both of you. Where did it all start and where are we up to? Okay, so for me, it actually started when I was living in Sydney, probably um, in my earlier 50s. I'm now 63. So I knew uh, early on, and I think it must have been about 52, um, my dad had uh, prostate cancer, my uncle has prostate cancer, so I knew I was pretty well destined to get it, like most men, in fact. So I was diagnosed with it in Sydney. I had a really good GP, so she looked after me and did all the surveillance. Uh, Then I came back to New Zealand 2016, which is where I'm from. I had a great GP also and a great urologist here. So he was doing the standard, you know, tests and surveillance. Um, I thought I was going to die with it, not from it. But then unfortunately, my urologist one day after a biopsy confirmed that it was through the whole prostate, but still the low grade cancer that because I was likely to live into my 90s, it might be a good thing to cut the whole prostate out now, which was a shock, um, but it kind of made sense. So um, after Janine and I talked about it, the answer was yes, and that was done. The surgery was December 22nd, 2022. So it's now been just over a year. Yeah. So just uh, I just want to ask one question. When you decided to like so you thought that you had it from 2016 how old were you then Jonathan I was 56, uh, 56. so I'd known I had it for about four years or so already and how did you cope with like knowing that because I think this is something a lot of men struggle with is thinking about the fact that they've got cancer in them but they're not getting rid of it how did you feel about uh, it yes okay well so so one I've got veterinary training so I'm reasonably okay with medical stuff Two, because my dad had it and my uncle had it, I sort of knew enough. My understanding of prostate cancer in the modern world was that most men in their 70s or beyond would have some form of prostate cancer. So it was almost normal and expected. And so, and because of my genetics, I, I pretty much knew that I couldn't avoid it and I was going to get it. But what I was telling myself was that you know, most where a lot of prostate cancer is low grade and a lot of men, uh, it doesn't kill them. You know, they die with it rather than from it. So that was the story I told myself. So I was very comfortable. Yeah, that's exactly I, right. I actually sought out the diagnosis because I, I was of the mind I wanted to monitor it rather than just ignore it. Mm, that's great. So you felt like it was really something that you were better off knowing about and having some control over than just pretending it wasn't there. 
Absolutely, yes. And and until my urologist said, oh, I think we should cut it out, I was living on the plan that, okay, I know I've got it. We know from biopsy that it's low grade. I can't remember the technical terms. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's all fine because I'll die with it, not from it. Um, but what I didn't reckon on is my dad died at 91. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, given that I, I, things go okay with me, I'm expecting to live at least until I'm 91, um, which gives the cancer, you know, too long really to develop into something nasty. So the sensible, I didn't think at the time when I was told it by my urologist, but the, the sensible thing was to cut it out. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. So that's good. So you got it out in December 2022. So tell us how that all went. And and for both of you, how did you feel about it, Janine? Like, How did you feel knowing that Jonathan was going to have this surgery? I was, I was frightened. <laughs> yes. And I think you were frightened of the cancer more yeah. than anything else. I was. I was frightened for, for you and frightened for us because... You know, there goes our sex life, and to be honest, which which, which was that was the only thing that really worried me. And I was, I was more interested in maintaining the sex life, and I was, I was betting on the cancer would not go rogue. But but Janine, I think you leaned more heavily on. I'd rather you got rid of the cancer. I did, and in, and in the end, like I well, not in the end, but in. I thought at the same time, gosh, let's just get this thing out. I mean. <laughs> which, is, which is easy for her to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she's very lucky. Me and I are lucky in the fact that they can remove it and it's pretty successful. But that was quite good for me because, I, you know, I thought, oh, well, I suppose that is sensible. And, of course, that's what people are focusing on is to get rid of the cancer. And, and for me, that was really a, a big part of the journey. It's kind of like, well, okay, I, because for me, it was always I thought I would outlive the cancer. Yeah, yeah. And one thing, sorry, one thing that I often see in my clinic is female partners will say when they've, you know, the man will express his concern about their ongoing sex life. The female partner will say something like, oh, I don't mind about the sex as long as I've still got you. And I know that the female partner saying that is being supportive from the woman's perspective because I'm a woman and I get that. But what I'd see is the man's face drop. And I wonder, often I think what goes through their head is, oh, she doesn't really care if we have an intimate life anymore or not. Um, did you feel that way or, or how did you feel, Jonathan? I So my, my mindset with most things is I want everything. So if I was, <laughs> going, if I was going to do the prosthetectomy, and this is where your podcast and other um sources of information was absolutely invaluable because before I got the prostate, you know, diagnosis kind of, or the, or the, before I got the prostatectomy to face, I was quite happy that I was okay. But then when I had to face that, I really started doing research and your podcasts and uh, Victoria's and, and others, mostly the two of you, I learned so much and I learned it's possible, you know, to, to have the trifecta, and I think you call it that. Yeah. So I said, right, bugger, that's fine. I'll I'll do it, and I'll get all three. Thanks very much, and and I'll get it in six months. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. So then, and then, did you? So you both were going into it, going well. Even if we can't get back the same sexual function we had now, we know that down the track we can do something. 
Is that yeah. how you felt? Yeah, pretty yes. much. There was yes. there was there was plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D, mm. and plan E. And you need and, to be patient. <laughs> and the patience. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, uh, patience is a, is difficult. I think because I worry that a lot of men don't get checked because they don't want to know because they're like, oh, if they. I think there's still a bit of a like a thought process in the community that. Well, if you get prostate cancer, that's the end of your sex life forever. And I think that getting that message out there to people that actually it's not necessarily. We either nowadays a lot of people get their function back. And mm. if they don't, there's still workarounds. Like I feel like that would get a lot more people encouraged to get tested, do you think? Yes, I would I would think so. And for me, that that was a big part of it. I found out pretty quickly that rehabilitation was um you know, a good chance, uh, and I, you know, I'm I'm fit and all those kind of things too. So I was, mm. I thought, you know, again, I was very positive about it. I thought, all right, well, if anyone mm. can get this done, I can, I can, and I'm in very mm. good hands, both medically and psychologically uh, and information wise. So, yeah, I, I think for for me, it seems the information availability to men and and the couples, the women or the partners is critical and it's i'm surprised it's not more widely known well it seems to be not more widely known i don't think it is but i think like just in november 2022 they actually brought out the international guidelines of sexual health for prostate cancer and that's the first time ever that things have actually been documented about actually we need to look after people's long-term quality of life for this and now like that like everything, it takes a long time to roll these things out. But I just went to a conference in just before Christmas in December and they're, you know, those guidelines are out now and the this whole next year they'll start to be rolled out more. And I think that's going to make a big difference and it's just taking a, a lot of time. I actually was one of the, the Australian reviewer on those guidelines and they're excellent. Like, And it is all about, you know, getting it out there because I met urologists at the International Sex sexual health conference in Dubai that didn't know that men could have an orgasm without an erection and didn't know rehab was possible. And they were in countries that yes. are, are much less forward than us. But they yeah. were like, wow, this is amazing. We didn't know this. No, well, and that it was interesting for me, actually, because I, I did all the research and I, you know, knew, okay, a nerve sparing, so you'll, lo you'll lose, you, you can't avoid losing in some ways that ability to get an erection because those nerves are what gives the blood. But what I actually didn't is everything else is pretty much normal. The feeling yeah, yeah. is normal. The, the ability to have a, a, an orgasm is normal, not as easy because mm. heart, heart is good. But, yeah, I was surprised. So to actually, because I kind of had an intellectual understanding of it, but it wasn't until I actually had the physical realisation that, okay, I've lost the natural ability to have an erection. However, there's lots of, you know, well, there are other ways for me to have an erection, which is great. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think as, as men, we kind of put it all together. You, you've got a penis, it gets hard, it um, has an <laughs> orgasm, um, you've got continents, you know, da 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 And if we think that we lose the erection, we think we lose everything, and you know, not not just physically, but uh, intellectually and, and emotionally and, and masculinely, you know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did not know that men could have an orgasm without an erection until I studied sexology. Like, it certainly wasn't something you're taught in your undergrad. Like, I had no idea. So, no, yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, it was a pleasant surprise for me as well. Because <laughs> um, 
you know, to be blunt, Janine's playing around and I'm kind of going, oh, this is really nice. And oh, be careful or I'm going to have an orgasm. Oh, shit, I just had an orgasm. Yeah, that's great. I think the other thing is, and Janine, I'd be interested to know your point of view on this. Do you feel like, like as a woman, if you touch a penis, usually it responds. And so then suddenly it doesn't. It must be kind of strange for a woman. Like you need to have, like men sort of need to tell you what's going on now, do they, Janine? Or like because it's a bit more like like you're you're like a man now, just stabbing around in the dark, wondering if it feels good. Yeah, I miss. No, I don't think that moment (laughs) that that there was nothing happening for Janine. The disappointment was just tangible in Mm. in every respect. Johnny, yeah, 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 no, it was it was. And for me, it was interesting as a man. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, women really like a hard penis. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and and if, and if they're not getting a hard penis, it's you know, it's not very good. It's not much fun. There's no, there's a lot, there's a lot missing. There's a lot that goes out of it. Yeah. Everything, else, everything else might be there, but the, yeah. the penis isn't doing its thing. So. No. Um, that's a big and deal. It, and even a, a pumped deal. penis is not as good as an injected one. <laughs> yeah. No, no definitely. So, Janine, tell us about what, like, how did you feel the first time that you and Jonathan were, like, being intimate and you were like, wow, he's obviously enjoying it and having sensation, but he's mm. not hard. Like, how did that make you feel? Oh, it's really hard to to measure if if what you're doing is, oh, is working. <laughs> Is is um yeah, is enjoyable, enjoyable, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You, did quite, you did quite hard to enjoy. Of course, yeah. it's a reaction that you think, oh yeah, tick, you know, done that right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. That's that's exactly what I think most women mm. would feel like because we're so used to having an immediate response that tells us what's going on. So yes, like what you said before, communication is key. And getting used to it. Oh um, yes, it did take us a while, didn't it? It's a, it is a new ball game. Um, <laughs> but and I, for me, I think too. Also, in, in some ways, the prostatectomy forced us to pay attention to our sex life, and you know, decide whether we wanted to w- work for it um, or give it a give it a miss. And I yeah. don't think either of us wanted to give it a miss, but it oh, was certainly gosh, no. was certainly. You know, disappointing, as Janine's just said. If if I if my penis can't get hard, no matter how much I want it to, there's other ways around it. But just naturally, but it just doesn't happen quickly. That's what I miss. That's what I missed and miss the most is that the spontaneity, or that it takes a long time. No, the spontaneity. You've got to. Well, yeah, and then there's head off to do the injection. Should I go and come come back with a big cold penis? (laughs) Would you you like a cup of tea? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think spontaneity is the biggest complaint I hear. Is that's what I still miss? Actually, mostly you've got to almost think about it, plan it. Yeah. And do you have you found? Is there any silver linings? Like, have you found that you're doing things like that? You've mixed the script up a bit in your intimate dealings with each other. Like, are things? I mean, I know that the lack of spontaneity is a negative, but are there any silver linings in that? Maybe you're experimenting with new things that you wouldn't have done before. Um, no, no, not really. really. I tried tried some things. Spent too much money in the sex shop um, yeah, early on. A waste of time. Which was a bit of a waste of money. But no, I guess it's it's confirmed our love and interest in mm. each other and mm. our attraction to each other. And then 
Yeah, and I, I think we've affirmed that we enjoy sex and we enjoy the intimacy and we enjoy each other's company, but we haven't, no, we haven't become... Um, we yeah, haven't not. suddenly got into some wild and crazy stuff you didn't do before. No, you, have you got any... I've got some ideas, but I probably won't say them here. No. Um, so what so you were after the, the prostatectomy, you then decided you joined my online program, didn't you, Jonathan? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And how soon after the surgery did you join? Oh gosh, I can't actually remember, but I think it would have been quite soon afterwards. Yeah, um, my recollection was it was pretty soon, like yeah. Yeah. And yeah. If and in hindsight, if I had known, I would have started mm. before the surgery. That would have been useful. Mm. Um, but yes, it would have, but it would have been very mm. shortly after. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as another another comment, I would just add as a partner. I mean, the the urologist did a great job and everything in taking the prostate, um, prostate out. out, and that's their focus. I feel it's not so much the aftercare here is. Um, You've got to fend for yourself and really go and hunt it out a little bit, don't you? Well, we, to, an extent, to an extent. I think the, the urology nurse here is mm. fantastic. She mm. she was really the champion of um, rehabilitation. Well, she taught us about Melissa. Yeah. 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 Um, the urologist, and I get the impression from the urologist that I have met, they, you know, they have a bit of a professional cons conservativeness about making promises that they can't live up to. So I think it would it would be very difficult. And so he, he's very factual. He's very supportive. Um, but, you know, I, find, I think they find it difficult to say you'll be right. <laughs> yeah, and I think also, to be fair, I don't know how to cure people with prostate cancer. You know, like there's only so much headspace. And so I think there's a definite role for you know, surgeons to and oncologists to their job and their focus and all of their research and study is based around getting rid of cancer. And mm. they're quite happy right. to leave the aftercare to other people. And and I think, you know, like I don't think it's a role that one person can do it all or just literally have enough time for. Yes, and I think I think that's reasonable. So I think where the improvement could be made is that mm. if men are able to be given a full story on prostate cancer um, and not just, okay, you've got it or you haven't got it, you get it treated or you don't get it treated. But that, you know, very much is, because for me, I think the rehabilitation is the game changer mm. because, you know, there's, there's so much that can be done and should be done. Mm. And the more you know about that, the more you can recognise, okay, you, whatever is happening, you, in, you end up having a radical prostatectomy, that's fine, that's actually good because it's a good treatment and it's the beginning of possibly a four-year journey of rehabilitation or up, up to four years. Yeah, exactly. But, so how did you find the program? Did you find? Did you learn a lot? Oh, yes, huge, yeah, huge amount. Uh, um, a huge amount about rehabilitation, not that it was just, you know, do your exercises. Um, you know, there was there was the drugs you can have and the different different regimes. Um, I'm not sure if I would have got the you know low dose vitamin and on demand combination without your program. Your your program 
confirmed the value and the effectiveness of injections, mm-hmm. um, despite the scary sound of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had you had a podcast episode of a guy who who had been using injections for a number of years, I think. Yeah, that would have that was Paul. I think he'd used like three hundred to four hundred times. I think a lot of my patients are extremely jealous of Paul. Yes, well, I, I, again, I was thinking, well, hey, crikey, if that's what it takes to have an active, you know, on-demand sex life, thank oh. you very much, I'll take it. And so tell me, how did you go using them? So, you know, because you did the program, so you learnt about injections from me and how to administer it, but then between you and I, like, you had to go to your urologist and get it prescribed because you're in a different country. And yes. how did that go for you? Good. No, really well. Um because so my urologist was familiar with it, and you know it was all organised. Like he, I could, I could get it from him. There was a place where we put in the prescription, so it was a, you know, it was a well-worn path. Uh, so there were no problems there. But then, yeah, it was just a matter of getting the initial mix and and, uh, and then working out how much to use. And of course, we started on quite a low dose, which wasn't very effective. Uh, it was, I think, 0.1 mil. And I ended up having to take it up to 0.5 of a mil to be um, effective, which was fine. But it was just kind of like, oh, that seems a lot. So, and that, but that's pretty much where we're at. And I'm I'm about to order my second vial to start off with in 2024, which um, should be good. And of course, and the I, good. Sorry, yes? I did. I did. Didn't I sent you an email with some suggestions to change the mix a bit, so hopefully you can use a bit less. Did was that okay? Yes, that was okay. I'm not sure that I progressed that very effectively, though. So <laughs> um, okay. I'll be getting another vial, and I'll because I know that a half a mil dose actually works really well. So that's you know that's the main thing. Yeah, and, then, and it's, it's half a mil is not a lot. You know, it's it's not much at all to be injecting. It's just that it's more cost effective if you can use less and make the mix stronger. Yes, exactly. And uh, you know, I'm I'm happy. I'm just happy that it. It does work uh, so that you know that's good and Janine likes it, it I works, do. It works well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice voice I do and how was like what was it like the first time you gave an injection and you had a proper hard erection for the first time in like nearly 12 months oh great no really just great and again your lesson on in explaining how you know the penis is you know there's about a third of it inside and two-thirds outside or is it the other way around yeah um, that's right and and the difference between the pump and the injection is the pump only gets the outside bit erect, so you know just yeah it's it's a it's a much more realistic and enjoyable and natural feeling I think for oh, Janine yeah, much um, erection so so I can understand why Paul is an advocate. <laughs> yeah, and I think as well you know from a female perspective, like a pump with a ring, you know it's okay, but you end up with a cool you know, cold to touch, sometimes bluish looking shaft, and you don't get that with injections. It looks like it used to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty, pretty Far damn more good. Appealing. Did um, <laughs> did the person who invented it, the cocktail, get a Nobel Prize or something? <laughs> no, but there's a fantastic story about the guy who invented it. He was, uh, and I actually found out his name at the conference I went to. I've always wanted to know, and now I haven't got it on the tip of my tongue. But he was a cardiologist who developed erectile dysfunction and he used those medications to inject into hearts for when he was doing heart surgery 
and he was in his early 60s, got erectile dysfunction. It was before Viagra was even invented and he was so frustrated that he was like one day, I'm just going to stick this in my penis and see what happens. It's similar tissue. He did it and it worked. And then the most amazing thing is, is that he told all these urologists they didn't believe him. So he put in an abstract at a conference and he presented it. And then he still, they were all kind of scoffing at him. So he dropped his dax, gave himself an injection on the stage and stood there while his penis went erect. And then that was it. Everyone was like, okay, we want to know more. So I think he's pretty impressive. He should have definitely got a Nobel Prize. That's a great story. It is a great story. (laughs) And he didn't even patent it, which I just think, oh, the poor man. Like, you know, it's not, he never made a cent out of it. He just had this amazing idea and it worked. So pretty good. We should have at least a yearly celebration of that person, you know. Yeah, we should. I've got to remember his name and I will put it in the show notes when I do it. But yeah, I think we need to have like a special day every year celebrating him or something. Yes. Yeah, we can call it the Harden Up Day. Exactly. I knew, I knew you'd come up with something like that. Yeah, yeah. So tell, now you sent me an email recently. You've been doing the rehab and using injections and doing everything for a year and you said, and I loved your term, that it sounds like you're getting wild erections now. What what are they? Tell us about them. Yes, well, so there's there's some, what, how would you say, there's some movement. There's, there's some, some life, response. There's, there's some life, there's some some life there, yes. yes. So there's, you know, some natural it's coming alive um, erection happening, um, particularly when we're being intimate. And, mm. yeah, it just it feels fantastic. So, and, you know, I know that the, um, the nerve function can take up to two to four years to um, re- return. So having, having some come back uh, within 12 months, I was expecting to be fully erect after six months, but that was... <laughs> <laughs> unreasonable um so you know to actually have that um because i had an experience where i broke my fingers years and years and years ago and they did neurosurgery on those fingers and yeah. i was a vet student at the time so i had the you know i actually had the experience of feeling a nerve growing back uh, down the finger and um so with now now I've got a similar experience with my penis, slightly slightly different anatomy, but you know I think the theory is still very much the same. It's the recovery of, of the of the nerves, and so mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm really interested in your comments and your experience on you know how much kind of recovery can one expect if it, if it starts? Does it tend to continue back to normalcy or? You well, don't what, know? yeah, what I find is that most people, and there is exceptions to the rule and I've interviewed them on the podcast where guys will get their erections back fully in the first 12 months but most men don't get much happening at all until around the 12 month mark and then they start to get a bit of movement at the station and then that just gradually improves over the next 12 months and so most men get to wherever they're going to be um, by the end of two years. But that said, I do see quite a lot of people who might get to a point where they get an 80% erection and they might need a tablet just to augment it a bit. And then three or four years down the track, will go, hang on, I don't need the tablets anymore. It's just happening. Yes. So people are different, but it's it's usually not a lot for 12 months and then a gradual improvement over the next 12 months. So you know, I'm I'm kind of not concerned until someone comes in at like 18 months and says absolutely nothing is happening. Then I start to think, I, I and I say to them usually, you know, 
we need to be prepared that you're not going to get your function back. You know, like let's think about that logically and how are we going to deal with that? You might want to think about getting a penile implant or are you happy yeah. using injections? That can be a long-term option. But, like, I think it's good at that point to kind of go, things aren't looking good if there's no movement yet. But wow. certainly someone in your position, I would be feeling quite positive that things are going to continue to improve over the next 12 months. Yes. And we and we have had the experience where if I take a Viagra, that that helps things along as well. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And I, I just think it's so great that, mm. you know, we can have the radical prosthetic to me and there's, there's lots to do. There's lots of possibilities around rehabilitation. That's... Um, made a huge difference to me and I'm very happy to be where I'm at just 12 months down the track. So. And do you think, so I feel as though also for men and their partners, being actively engaged in the rehabilitation is important, like for your mental health. It's like if you just sat back and were waiting and, you know, on a women of prayer and hoping things get better, like I feel like from a mental perspective it's good to be physically involved in in helping yourself do you, do you think that's right or is that just my idea in, in terms of the man yeah mental oh, yes I th- you have to take responsibility for your own health I think and mm. Um, mm. I think where we are now very lucky I think you know it's not been this good for a long time and possibly because it did, we didn't have the knowledge but you know, any any man in the Western world who has prostate cancer needs to know that rehabilitation should be normal. Yes, yeah. Um, and it's just part of the game, but you, you'll have your surgeon and they'll do what they do, mm. um, and then you should be passed on to your rehab team. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see that being much more common. I, I do still hear about, um, you know, men who've had, prostate cancer here uh, and they're just not talking about it and they're not talking well, they to their wife know. about it. They didn't and, and know that they had to pump, for Yeah, they didn't know about the pump or any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I find that very That's tragic. Sad. And they, yeah. bas- they basically, well, they don't know, but they've also given up. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's so tragic because you wouldn't be sent nowadays for a hip replacement or a knee replacement or whatever and go on or have a heart attack and say, oh, well, that's it, just go home and hope for the best. You would... Hi. Be actively involved in a rehabilitation program. Myself and Joe recently had a man, and who I've interviewed for the podcast, he'll be on soon, he was 18 months post-op in Canada and he had had very little aftercare and he had happened to have a daughter who lived in WA and he'd been listening to the podcast because his physio in Canada recommended it and he was here for a month at the end of last year and booked in and saw Joe and I every week. And by the time he went home, he was almost continent and he was successfully using injections. And he was so happy because he said, you know, he just felt like, and he was just so frustrated that he hadn't had the opportunity to do those things earlier. No, totally. It's, it's, it's um, a gap. Yeah, it's a, it's a major gap. And, um, mm. you know, you're, you're part of the industry, so, you, so you'd know the, the economics and the politics. But um, I think... And that, that's why I'm very happy to be interviewed. You know, I think the more men can hear other men and their partners talking about it and saying, well, actually, this is this is what happened to me. And it's it's normal and, and it is available. It may not be available down the road from your particular residence, but it's certainly globally available now. So that's another great thing about the global connectivity. 
So talking about that, did you feel like there was a hindrance in any way of doing an online program rather than, you know, like that online program of mine that you did is equivalent of seven to eight face-to-face consults? And I personally feel as though that gives people all the information and then an online or a face-to-face consult afterwards is useful because uh, is good just because you can go back and listen to the information again because you miss so much on a face-to-face consult. But from yes. your perspective, did you feel like that was as effective or would you have rathered if you could have gone and seen someone face-to-face? We lived in Perth. I mean, yeah, I think for me, if, if I can go face-to-face to a person, mm-hmm. you know, who has the knowledge like you do and, and the program and the process, you know, mm-hmm. so you basically... Mm-hmm. You're a you're a guide and a mentor and a cheerleader all along the way. Um, mm-hmm. But again, for me, what I was given was the podcasts, um, and that made a huge difference before the surgery. So for me, I had enough information to know that I needed to do rehab. And then I think when I did your program, that was enough for me to go, okay, that's good. And the fact that you included a a consult in that that for me allowed me to just consolidate everything. And I. I was lucky here because I had everything I needed. Mm. Your you being there and the podcast information just allowed me to normalise that. You know, penile rehab is nothing special. It's it should be just normal and it's available. Um, but I could be, and I didn't need to be um, assertive about it because it, again, the oncology nurse here, she. I think she's a fan of yours. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's wonderful. That's Jenny recommended you, I think, yeah, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah she was great. She's so good. Like she's so passionate about getting men back to normal. Yes, and so so she was she job. was my an initial angel, and then she introduced me to to you, her guru angel. So you know, <laughs> lineage, lineage was holding. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, yeah. and what about your PSA? How's that been? Uh, that's been uh, two negatives over the. Uh, is it six monthly? Is that the kind of standard after the surgery? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I've had two negative. Um, I actually had an interesting thing where I was trying to get some life insurance because um, I didn't have any, and I thought it might be useful if I dropped dead um, by mistake. Janine wouldn't <laughs> like that at all. Um, but the insurance company have said they want to wait for the next checkup, which isn't until March. So we're, go- we're going around and around that saying, well, okay, do you really need that or not? But So that's been a little bit interesting. Yeah. Um, but I'd also mention to you is um, I, I am not fully continent yet, and that's the bit that has um, caught me by surprise because I thought, I thought I'd be continent very quickly, and I was – initially but then i've still got this very small amount of dribbling so and i think i maybe just need to get back to my pelvic floor exercises so have you stopped doing them yes yes so i always say this you really need to do them for the rest of your life it's like all muscles your pelvic floor is just a muscle and when you stop using it you lose it like and i think it's it's the commonest thing i hear is guys going i was dry and now i've started leaking a little bit again and i'll be like have you been doing your pelvic floor oh no it's like well make sure you do your pelvic floor make sure you practice them standing up yeah so it's that simple yeah 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 yeah, noted. <laughs> and and, and he, the pump broke recently. Oh, um, yes. So we had a, so we had a seizure was, on the pump. Um, that made me worry. <laughs> yes, because that, that's been, you know, that's been 
that daily use, I think, has been very important been for the rehabilitation yeah. and and in a more functional way as well. It's you know it's very good for a top up. Mm. Um, but it's going again. So yeah, I managed to get two that, days ago get that fixed. I, yeah, so the pump's brilliant. The pump is absolutely brilliant. I don't know if you if you get guys reticent to get a pump, um, they need it. Yeah, which sort of pump did you get? I can't remember. Did you get a Vacurect or a Bathmate? Yeah, yeah. I think the thing with the pump, I think often people feel like it's a bit of a creepy sort of weird sex toy because they've only ever seen them in Austin Powers movies. But it's just getting injections. (laughs) Yeah, just getting your head around that they're actually a medical device and they're necessary. I think is you know half of the problem. Yeah, uh, uh, for me, the you know the sense that look, you've got to keep that blood flow in there to keep mm. those tissues healthy. Again, for me, that's just yep, pretty obvious from mm. a from a medical veterinary point of view. Even it's like yep, no, definitely don't expect mm. don't expect that to be healthy if you don't do anything with it for twelve months. Yeah. So, are you now like looking forward, going? I'm glad I had this done, and you know I'm through the worst of it, and I'm moving forward, and I'm hopefully going to live past my dad, like past ninety. Yes, yes. And interestingly, um, in the histology of the prostate, they did find a few nasty mm. cells in there. So I, if I'd taken a bet, because I was trying to figure out, okay, shall I delay mm. the surgery for five years or maybe I could delay it for 10 years, maybe I could delay it for 15 years, um, I probably would have lost in all cases. So, Yeah. And do you feel like it's a bit of a weight off you knowing that that's gone now? Or was it not really weighing on you before? Uh, I still would have rather died with it rather than from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I, it, for me, it was interesting, again, when Janine said, oh, look, if, if cutting the prostate out pretty much guarantees that you'll be cancer-free, I, rec- I, I would like that. And we'll sort the continents and the penis thing out, you know, as we go. But I was not of that mind. I was going, no, bugger that. I'd rather keep a slightly dodgy prostate and enjoy my sex. <laughs> That's funny. And so one other question. Have you noticed, I know you're getting a bit of wild erection with um, stimulation, but do you think you're getting any nocturnal erections when you're sleeping? Yeah. No, I'm not sure. I have not I have not caught myself out yet. So, um, oh. mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, it, I mean, you would expect that I would be, wouldn't you? You would, but I think this is the the problem. Like in the past, I've always said to men, you must keep using the pump for two years because we just don't know when you're getting your nocturnal erectile function back and you need to have at least three a night to, to, you know, make it healthy, keep it healthy. But now I don't know if you listened to the podcast episode I did on the FirmTech ring. I'm very excited about these rings. You put them on your penis at night time. They're like a Fitbit for your dick. Uh, and they, I mean, I think they can't use that as a sales technique, but I can because I haven't got the, the patent. But, yeah, they like basically you put them on and you connect them to your phone and then when you wake up in the morning, and apparently they're very comfortable. I don't have a penis. I haven't tried it. And then you, but I've got lots of patients who are using them. And when you wake up in the morning, you look on the screen and it tells you how many nocturnal erections you've had. Well, so what I've been doing is, saying to guys get one of these you know when you're a bit sick of using the pump and then you can go oh great I'm actually getting like a really good erection I'm getting two or three at night time now so I don't actually need to use my pump anymore okay Um, the other great things about these rings is they also you can wear them whilst having sex 
and they will encourage the blood flow still goes in because it doesn't block off arterial blood flow, but it stops the venous flow back. So you can get a stronger erection with them and it will measure it for you. And they also, people who have climacteria, so a little bit of wee that comes out when you have an orgasm, it stops that because it's just firm enough that it seals the urethra. So I'm a massive fan of these rings. It's like it used to be that the only way you'd know if someone had a nocturnal erection is if their partner knew because you're in REM sleep, you're in such deep sleep you don't usually know, or if they happen to wake up in the morning and go, oh, I've actually got a bit of a chubber when I wake up, so I must be getting something. But you still can't be sure how many times, and there's no point if you just get one, you still need to be using your pump. So I love these things. I'm like a complete convert. I wish I'd invented them. So do you have an affiliate link? Um, no, but I sell them on my website. So I do buy them in wholesale and they're on my website. So I'll email you a link after. But, yeah, they're great. Thank yeah. you. And great. I do have an affiliate link for the Northern Hemisphere, which is on my website, but um, it'll be better for you, cheaper for you to buy them in the Southern Hemisphere and just get them posted straight. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I love the idea. So I'll be able to wake up in the morning and say, look, Look, Janine, I've got, I've got a 9 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I've had the funniest emails from guys with their screenshots of, check this out, Melissa, this is what happened last night. And, and the only other really great thing is you can even tell things like, oh, I had a couple of glasses of wine and it wasn't as good as yes. my erections have been before. Or yeah. I've had other like young men use them for, like they might have been started on an antidepressant and they th- think it's affected their sexual function. And I'm like, well, get one of these pop it on and try it out for a few weeks, see what's going on, then stop your medication for a couple of weeks and see what happens. And if that is the cause of what's going on, we can send you back to your GP and change that medication for something else because a lot of medications affect your function. So I just think it's the first time, like we've had this this technology in labs, but we haven't had this technology available in people's homes. And that just makes such a massive difference. Fantastic. We like, yeah, we definitely like the sound yeah. of that. So yes, yeah, we'll be, we'll have some of that. <laughs> and just the whole idea of it's fun, I reckon, Fitbit for your dick. I just, it's just, it, it appeals oh. to my sense of humour. Yeah, <laughs> me, me too. I can, I can show Janine the data. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, honey, I'm a real you'll, man. You'll be able to look at it and go, Janine, look what you missed out on three times last night. <laughs> you should have woken me up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> should send the laugh off. <laughs> was that, yeah, actually, we'll have an agreement. So, okay, look, what, what rating should I wake you up? <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, what I should do is I'll have to speak to the inventor about it and say, I think you need to put a system in it where you can set an alarm that if you've got a really good one, exactly. you can, it wakes yes. you up. Yes. Make the most you, of it. If you get a nine out of ten, then set the alarm and <laughs> yeah, like... make it buzz so that we wake up and use it. That's a good idea. Yep. Hey, hey, are you awake? <laughs> yeah, that is a great idea. I'm going to send him an email straight after this and tell him. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, is there anything else you guys would like to add? No, not that comes to mind. But just thank you to you and thank you to the people in the community who are doing what they do to. You know, normalise it. I lo- I do love the jokes. I mean, it was, mm. it's and th- that started with Jenny. You know, once you start looking at the podcast, and and I'm not sure if the Australian actually adds a bit of a twist to it to make it, you know, even better than what it would be. Um, but it, yeah, it's just you can't you can't help but laugh and smile about mm. it. 
I think the um, only negative of that is I'm so used to talking about penis problems and vagina problems these days that I seem to bring them up at the dinner table at inappropriate times. I'm a bit desensitised now, so I have to remind yes. myself yes. that it's probably not dinner conversation with your son's future in-laws, which no. I've done before. But, yeah, anyway, I'll have to learn yeah. about that. <laughs> no, I've, I've been a bit similar because I sort of got desensitised. So, you know, if someone said, oh, you know, how's the, how's the post-surgery? I'd say, you know, I just rip into it and I thought maybe I should dial that back. But some people, you know, they appreciate it, but I think there's a certain um, social sensitivity for going, oh, well, yeah, some continence is good, but the hard-on's not really working so well, you know. <laughs> but I think it's a good thing that we talk about it because, I mean, I, I've told this story before on the podcast, but, you know, I went through a drive through coffee shop about six, seven months ago and the guy in there asked me about the number plate on my car because my car number plate's box of toys because my car's full of sex toys. And, um, you know, he said, why is your car got that? And I was like, oh, because I'm a sexologist and this is what I do and my car's full of sex toys. And he goes, oh, that's so funny. I thought you must have had camping gear or surfing gear or something. And I was like, no, no. And then I said to him, I, he was like in his 50s and he goes, I've never had my prostate checked because I thought you could never have an erection again. And I was like, no, you can. And while I'm waiting for my coffee, I'm telling him all about it. Next time I went through, he'd got all his mates to get checked and two of them had positive prostate cancer. Mm, oh, yeah. wow. Not surprising. Yeah. And I just think, like, so just having those supposedly inappropriate conversations, I think it can save lives. Well, no, and that's that's mm. the same for me because I, I have. I've had some conversations with, um, you know, some guys that are in their 30s, young guys married with young kids and, and, you know, they've just said, oh, yeah, I had a prosthetic to me and said, oh, what's that about? And I'll just, I'll tell them. And I'll say, you know, I think it's useful for you to know. And they agree. They say, because they're all intelligent guys. And they said, yep, no, that's actually good to know. But we won't mm -hmm. need to worry about it for another 10, 15 or 20 years. But, you know, just just knowing now and that, and that age, I think it puts them ahead of the curve. Yeah, and it's something they don't have to worry about. Because I'm sure a lot of young men, when their father gets diagnosed, think, oh, crap that's going to be me next, you know, and it's nice for them to know as well that actually it's not going to be that bad. The way things are going in another 10 years, you know, things will be even better. Well, yes, exactly. That'll be very interesting. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, but again, in the meantime, I think what you're doing in the community and just how information is available, you know, it's presented well, it's presented with a, with a bit of a smile um, and it's just very effective. So I'm I'm very privileged and very happy to be where I'm at, and I'm very happy to have my lovely partner Janine. Thank you. Oh, that's yeah. nice. I mean, it's a hard road, and I think that partners are often missed in this journey, and it's something that you know we really need to start really thinking about is how it affects the partner. Yes, and and I yes I I mean I know Janine's been there for me and with me, but I think. Um, in hindsight, I possibly, yeah. Well, could you, if if you had someone who could have a professional who could have supported you through the whole prosthetic thing, would that have been useful? Because I probably wasn't as good as I could have been. Oh, well, I listened. We we oh, actually okay, listened yeah. together, to Melissa, podcasts. to your podcast. Yeah. We go walking because we've just come back from the pool, so we we're out training quite a lot. And we'd have a earpod in each, you know, we'd share it. And listen to the podcast, And yeah. we would and listen. Useful, and I used to find that really, really helpful at the time, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's great. And I think that hopefully sometime this year I was thinking about just doing a short, like, you know, online 
free course just for like partners, like how you can help, you know, support yeah. your partner. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good idea. Yeah. It's, it's also daunting initially, but then it's not as bad as what well, it it's, seems. It's, you know, there's a, there's a, the there's a pathway and there's, yeah. there's good light at the end of the tunnel. Um, mm. Yeah. We've had a great outcome, haven't we, really? Oh, I think so, mm. yes. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure for me to talk to you both today. I really appreciate it. And anyone that's listening, Jonathan has kindly offered if anyone wanted to speak to him personally, you can flick me an email and I can put him in touch with you um, if you're really feeling like you'd like to chat. So yep. I can't yep. thank you both enough. Pleasure. No, I can't thank you enough, Melissa. <laughs> Keep on doing what you're doing and you do it so well. Okay. Thanks very much. Lovely to speak to you. And um, I'll be interested to hear how you go with that new mix suggestion when you get it. Yes, definitely. And I want to get one of those um, Fitbits for my penis and I'll be able to send you my score. I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the link straight away. Great. Thanks, Melissa. All right. Thanks, Melissa. Okay. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As a thank you for being a part of our podcast community, I have an exclusive subscriber offer for you. If you would like assistance with your sexual health and you'd like to work with me, then please head over to www.melissahadleybarrett.com forward slash programs and use the code TPP5 at the checkout. Here you will find everything you need to know to be on the path to penile perfection. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Penis Project. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you could leave a review and subscribe for regular updates. Your support plays a big role in spreading awareness and helping more men to access this information. The more followers we have, the more podcast platforms that recommend our show to others. This might be just the place where your friend, brother, neighbour with lingering questions finally discovers the answers. Stay connected with me on social media and join the Melissa Hadley Barrett email list for news about upcoming podcast episodes, blogs and lots more. If you have a personal story that you'd like to share or you're a health professional working in this field, I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or a listener with specific topics you'd like us to cover, please send me an email at admin at melissahadleybarrett.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Penis Project podcast community. And until next time, take care.